Welcome to today's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Mitch Michaels here. We got a great show planned for you today. Talking baseball trade deadline and UFC. Big pay-per-view this weekend in Los Angeles. But before all that, before we dive right into the show, I want to talk a little bit about the Urban Meyer situation at Ohio State. As you may know, I'm an Ohio State fan, and it's not what you want to hear from any program, especially one preseason ranked number three in the country. That the head coach, Urban Meyer, a legendary coach, well accomplished at Florida and Ohio State, is going to be on paid administrative leave, a suspension, more or less because he may or may not have known about an assistant coach being a domestic abuser. Very sad situation. And all I'll say is this for the time being. There's an investigation going. We don't know for sure, despite how bad it does look, what Urban Meyer knew or doesn't know. But if it is found out that he broke a rule, it's unfortunate, but he has to go. Now, it, it is that case. Did he break a rule? Then he's gone. If he didn't break a rule, but he didn't act morally, Ohio State's going to have a tough issue on their hands. And a tough issue that I think a lot of football fans themselves are going to have on their hands is how do you justify winning games at the expense of maybe not being the best person? Now, we're we're full of people in this world that accomplish great things that aren't exactly the best people. So I, I don't know where this goes. All I'm going to say is let's let this play out. I think Ohio State did the right thing in putting him on paid leave and running an independent investigation. But there's a lot to come out here. And it's just, it's the real victim here is Courtney Smith, the ex-wife of Zach Smith, uh, the coach who looked like he did a bunch of crazy stuff. Good that he's finally being brought to justice and her story is coming to the light i just want to know exactly what urban meyer knew if he does have plausible deniability it, it sounded like he misspoke this spoke at big 10 media day just a messy situation all around but again let's let this thing play out see what happens that's my urban meyer ohio state take not what you want to hear beginning of august obviously the real victim is bigger than football courtney smith glad that she's doing all right but it's very messed up and uh We'll see what happens as we get into college football season. Not what I wanted to talk about early. Just felt like we needed to address that. Now we can start the show. Big UFC pay-per-view in Los Angeles. Dillashaw Garbrandt. We're going to talk to a special guest about that later in the show. But first up, my buddy Joe Crisali. We talk MLB trade deadline. A lot of interesting moves. Manny Machado on the Dodgers. Some moves from the Yankees getting half. And uh, what the Pirates are doing, we don't really know. The Brewers are another team. What did my Indians do? A lot of discussion on the trade deadline in the MLB standing race. It's Joe Crisali talking baseball on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, time to talk baseball on the Money Mitch Effect. We've passed July 31st. It's post-trade deadline time. Got my buddy Joe Crisali all the way from the Pacific Northwest to break down all the action on the diamond. Joe, what's up? Welcome to the show. What's up, Mitch? It's, it's, Love it's talking your, baseball. It's your wheelhouse, I know, and we could be here for a while if I don't rein you in a little bit. But and and that's the that's the uh, the hard part of what I'm trying to do today because we can let it go monologue style and I know you talk for a couple hours you're pretty fired up about what you like what you dislike I'll start with this what are the top who are the top teams I should ask good and bad that caught your eye what team do you think did the best at the trade deadline and what team do you think did the absolute worst if you had to pick one of each best and worst hmm. Well, worst at the deadline, maybe we can start with, I'm going to blow your mind here, the Washington Nationals. Mm, interesting. But I know where you're going with this. I think you do know where I'm going with this because they said that they wanted to go for it. Now, we have Bryce Harper, but he's probably not going to sign with us next year because our organization is crumbling apart. Yeah. But yeah. we're going to keep him. We're going to keep him. We're going to keep thinking that he's Mike Trout, and we're going to refuse to trade him. The dude is hitting 200. Sure, the power numbers are there, but yeah, he's not, Mike he's not Trout. the same player. He's not Mike Trout. He's not the same player that you think he is, and they need to stop comparing him to Mike Trout because no one compares to Mike Trout. But I just don't understand why they wouldn't even – I mean, they kind of entertain trading him away, but if you think about it, they could have essentially gotten better and had a better chance to win this year had they traded him away. They had Soho, 
uh, Juan Soto up there, 19 years old, dominating, probably going to be rookie of the year, right? And he's, yeah. you put him in left. They got Eaton in center, and they got that other kid, Victor Robles, who's their next best prospect, who is really good. Put him in the outfield, and if you trade Harper away, you get you're going to get a bunch of other assets back for him. Not only are you going to get good minor league prospects to refill those slots of you bringing those guys up, but you probably are also going to be able to get some decent pitching to put behind Max Scherzer, which they have none of. So, so do you think he's gone for they, sure? Like, do you think he's it. definitely leaving? I don't know. It's it's really hard to say. Can I, you just imagine, like, yeah. To, your your name being your name being dangled out there in trade talks just because and then coming back. I mean, and I don't even know if the Nationals are going to be willing to pony up how much he's going to want. Well, and you that's know? the thing. I just don't. I, I think the timeline was more messed up than anything. They it came out really late in the game that they're open to trading him, and by that point, it's just hard to find a match. I just I'm all yeah. for I'm all for your strategy. I just think it takes a lot more planning than what we saw from the Nationals. You don't just a couple of days before the deadline, say, "Oh, we're open to trading him," and then reverse course. Yeah, they, when it's they didn't. They definitely didn't think it through beforehand. I, at the beginning of this year, they were everyone's favorite to win the World Series and go to the World Series. I wasn't tooting the same horn at the beginning, but I did think they were going to be very good. And it just turns out that they haven't been able to put it together. So, if you're at this point, they're like five or so games back from the East, behind the Phillies and the Braves. They, I mean, they still have a shot. They do. Because who, know, who knows if the Phillies are going to hang up. They're another team that didn't really do anything trade deadline worthy. They got his Drupal Cabrera, a big deal. He's not as good as everyone says he is. He's pretty good ten, and then, 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years ago when he was on the Indians. But yeah. <laughs> I I just don't – I mean, they got Wilson Ramos. I'm sure if they're catcher position there. I just don't see the Phillies as, as, a, as a really good team playing up there just yet maybe maybe next year i don't know but who, who am i they might make the playoffs and then yeah. if you're the other team in the nl east the new york Mets, <laughs> you are also a bunch of morons well they're just bad they're just bad at baseball they're, they're, <laughs> that's just like the worst that the that team is so bad and it's not just giving them 25 in one game remember the first month of the season how hot that team started and everybody was drinking the Kool-Aid. They are a disaster. Everyone. Yeah, they, they drank too much of it, and it was, it was they were roofies and knocked them all out. So, I don't yeah, know what's going on. Ride punch or something, yeah. Yeah. But the Mets, sure, we understand you guys have, think you have four great pitchers. Really, you have one ace and one great pitcher. The other guys are just filler. Mets, hasn't been healthy. He's out again now. Wheeler, you you wouldn't trade him away because you were treating him like he was a number two starter when really he's only had six or seven good starts this year and probably even last year. He wasn't good last year either. So their unwillingness to part with pieces that aren't as good as they may perceive them to be is just, it's just totally stupid and it just ruined like what they could have had going there. I mean, Nimmo's had a great year. He's been under the radar. Um, they really need to get Conforto back and up to speed. But the rest of that team, the thing is, you can't just keep Can you? a really good starting rotation that you think is a really good starting rotation because if you do that, then that's all you have is pitching, and that's all they have is pitching. Their defense is terrible. They can't hit, and they have no bullpen. So if there's four categories, they're only filling one of those categories. Can you believe the 2015 not World Series, Joe, was Royals and Mets? Oh, my God. Those <laughs> two teams have ago. fallen off the That cliff. was three years ago. I mean, wow. That's just – that's amazing. But what are the – who do you think did the best? I mean, we know who got the best player in the L.A. Dodgers, but did they do the best in addition to that deal with what they gave up, or is there somebody I, else? I think the Dodgers – yeah, I think the Dodgers did did the best out of every out of every team. I mean, if you're looking at you know winning right now, the Dodgers for sure took the cake on that because they got Machado, who is a top five player in baseball. He's one of the best players in the league, and he's young. I mean, granted, it's probably just a rental, but still, that's that's a huge get for them. And then. They didn't even really have to give up that much for them. They gave up their number four prospect and a bunch of other guys. All the other players that they liked were untouchable, and those were the guys that 
you know, the Orioles really wanted, and they ended up getting somebody who hit a home run in the Futures game just because they could watch him, and they, then they got him. But, I mean, the Dodgers, and then they just went out and they got Brian Dozier on top of it. And they were able to toss out Logan Forsythe in that deal, and they don't want him on the roster anyway. And they didn't have to give up any other, like, really top-notch prospects to get him. So they were able to get two guys who are capable of hitting 30, 35 bombs a year, driving in 100 runs a year, just to play on that infield. Now that's your up the middle right there. And then yeah. Turner comes back. They got Ballinger at first. Mm. You know, that's that's a really dangerous team. Walker Bueller's pitching really, really well. You know, they're they're looking pretty good. But the other team I wanted to talk about yeah. in the NL that acquired some pieces was the Brewers. Mm. So, yeah, what do you think? I mean, they're, they uh, pieces is the best way to put it because they got some bodies. Some of them are good. Mustakis can, can play. We know that. But um, where are they going to play? Should they have targeted pitching? They got talent, but did they get the right talent? That's the thing where they don't they don't have a starting rotation. And like every other team, they looked at the pitchers that were available available and were like, damn, we don't really want that much to do with this. Except for the Pirates, which we'll get to that later. But the Brewers, all they did was trade for the third baseman, basically. <laughs> they just were like, okay, we have – well, let's go play second base, but they, you know, well, we're going to move Shaw to, to second, and we're going to get Scope, and then we're going to get Mustakis, and we're going to have three guys who play two positions where one of the positions is already filled, and now we have to move them around. I don't know what they were thinking with that. If they thought that they could get away with not having any arms whatsoever, and they'll say, oh, we got guys coming back from the deal. I'm like, no, oh, there's nobody on that pitching staff and then they got they have a decent bullpen we'll give them that but they're going to be in the game a lot earlier than they want them to be if this team gets it into the playoffs very interesting joe Crisali, money mitch effect i don't know what the brewers were trying to build as an identity but i want to talk to you about another team in that same division the pittsburgh pirates man i, I <laughs> no one really knows speaking of not knowing what they're doing what the Pirates are trying to do. It started at the offseason when they decided that they didn't want Garrett Cole or they didn't want to pay him his asking price. They shipped him to the Astros. Joe, they acquired Chris Archer for two of their best prospects, probably their two best prospects, and Tyra Glasnow and Austin Meadows, a player to be named later. Chris Archer from the Rays is significantly, I'd say, at least decently removed from his best baseball. Owed a lot of money. I take it you weren't a big fan of this deal. Just how much how much do you think the Pirates got this one wrong? Is this a colossal failure or just not a great move? I think by mid-season next year, you're going to be looking at this trade and saying, oh, my God, the Pirates just ruined the next five years. The next, their whole future, maybe not their whole future, but Chris Archer was a really great pitcher. Chris Archer... Yes, he has a great team-friendly, quote-unquote, team-friendly deal over the next three years where there's some team options and he's over 27 million. That is what he, Chris Archer is worth. So you're getting a guy at what he's worth. He's not necessarily cheap based off of all the statistics he's been putting out the last three years. He hasn't had an ERA under four the last three years. He hasn't had a winning season the last three years. You know he's on the raise, but Blake Snell has a winning season this year. And they're bad. That's how bad they are. But Chris Archer doesn't. All his numbers are, you know, they, they are what they are. He hasn't been great. And the Rays, think about it. I mean, it was two small, two small market teams trading with each other. The Rays were like, listen, we don't got a lot of money. These are your best prospects. We want them. You want our best pitcher. Here you go. Even though he's not their best pitcher, and you know they were selling him as their best pitcher. But for the Pirates, they let Austin Meadows sit in the minor leagues for, I don't know, when he got drafted, 20... He's been sitting in the minor leagues for, I think, five or six years. Yeah, I think it was 2012, I and, think. Yeah, that's 2012 sounds right. He was sitting in the minor leagues for six years. He was playing really well, and then he got hurt. He kept getting hurt, so they really lost their faith that he was going to be the guy. But while he was there, he was their number two prospect. 
Glassnow was their number one prospect. And then they brought Glassnow up, who absolutely dominated the minors when he was in there. They were like, oh, my God, we have a number one ace next, you know, next (laughs) big, big ace pitcher. And then Meadows slides into the number one slot. So Glassnow, him being up, and he didn't, he hasn't pitched very well the last couple of years, but this year they, they bumped him to the bullpen, they condensed him a little bit, and he's got a case for nine this year of 12, which is absurd. He strikes out guys a lot, and I guarantee you that Tampa Bay's pitching coaches are going to be able to help him, and he's going to be that pitcher that, that the Pirates thought he was going to be. And then Meadows is a five-tool player who proved this year that he's ready and he's capable of being a star in Major League Baseball. And they decided to just get rid of him because because why? Because you have Corey Dickerson in left, Polanco in right, Marte in center. Big deal. Dickerson, the, yeah. the Rays let him go. They would have gave you him and back. And you would have got Archer and Dickerson in the deal. Archer's going to be the calling Razor. games on baseball on ESPN baseball in three years. That's my prediction. <laughs> yeah, we we talked done. about this earlier. We talked about this earlier where the Pirates they don't they don't uh, teach pitchers well. They're not good at you know creating good pitchers out of you know what they had. Yeah, they had Garrett Cole. Like we said before, they weren't able to do anything with Garrett Cole, and now look at him. Garrett Cole had an ERA mid-fours as a career ERA with the Pirates. Goes to the Astros' best year of his career. By far, Because yeah. they know what to do with them. They know how to develop them. It, the Rays know how to develop pitchers. Look, they got Snell and they had Archer right there. Boom. Both came up through the system. So you're going to send them a guy who has the intangibles to be that good, and they're going to make him that good. And Meadows is going to be out there, and it's going to be terrible because I'm going to have to deal with watching that. In that <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, in that if you're, you're going to go for it, then just bring back Cole and you still have your prospects. And going for it now, I, I agree with you, and I think you said this earlier, but they're probably not going to make the playoffs even with adding Archer and, and going for it in that regard. It just, it just reeks of desperation. I don't know if somebody's jobs are, are on the line, but they probably should be based on this move because you just you know hedged everything to get a guy who – He's probably on the downside, owed a lot of money. I, I just didn't like it. I, you, know, there, there were, you don't need to make the biggest splashes at these deadlines to, to really make a difference. And I think that's what a lot of teams aren't quite getting. Um, you don't have to go for everything. Not just saying you it need was, to be sellers, but yeah. I mean that was just too desperate for me. It was, it was definitely a desperate move. I mean, Chris Archer's 30. Sure. I mean, in real life, that's not that old, but he's been pitching for a while. And he was hurt last year hey, and this year. Hey, here's something I thought I and wouldn't say, though. Um, and, and, just, I, and I just don't <laughs> – it's like the Pirates are acting like a desperate like – like kind of how the Yankees used to act in the early 2000s or the Dodgers or Red Sox. They're acting like a team that just thinks we have to win immediately. They're the Pittsburgh Pirates. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, too, about that trade – it doesn't make them better right now. It makes them worse right now. You traded away two players that play for you. Tyler Glassnow was in your bullpen. He was one of your uh, better bullpen pitchers the last couple weeks, last couple months of the season. Sure, he had a couple of bad, you know, games here and there, but he's been pretty solid the last month or so in the bullpen. And Meadows was up and down, and Dickerson just got hurt. So you know Meadows was going to take that spot over. Yeah. Now, what do they do? They got Lucklow in left field. So it just I just don't I don't get trading, you know, young major league ready good talent for uh for a guy like Chris Archer. I mean Chris Archer is a great pitcher. If the Yankees got him, I'd be holly jolly, but now then the Pirates too, they went on that they went on that little winning streak. Sure, they swept the Brewers, they beat the Reds, they beat the Mets. Those are the teams you beat. Woo-hoo. You now now that you traded those guys away, you've got to play Chicago, who they're playing. Now they're playing Chicago, then they've got to play St. Louis. Then they've got to play the Brewers. They've got to play everybody else who's in front of them. So now you're going to immediately see, immediately see how stupid that move was. 
We'll have to see, man. And Chicago with Cole Hamels as well. It's been a nice addition for them. Still chatting with Joe Crisali on the Money Mitch Effect. Um, you did mention your Yankees, and I want to talk about that. Another sentence I never thought I'd say. You know, minus the uh, minus the <laughs> mouth, hand, and foot disease, or whatever the heck uh, J.A. Happ has, <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't think you could get. He in got this that century. from Syndergaard. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently. But that he's done well when he's pitched. Not a bad move there. You're tweaking get Lancelin, another another move that I think solid. He pitched a lot of scoreless innings today. You like the moves by the Yankees? I know they're they're really chasing it against the juggernaut in Boston, but they're definitely doing well, thirty games above five hundred this year. Are you a fan of their moves at the deadline? I'll just say Brian Cashman is a wizard. So he was able to make the team as as better as it could with what was available out there and get rid of players that weren't necessarily liked and by not just fans but like in the clubhouse as well and guys that were just excess and him trading away those prospects that were that no one has heard their names before except for you know major league gms those guys he was going to lose in the rule five draft anyway and he was able to turn that into international pool money which is where the yankees make all their big bucks when they get their good players like luis severino gary sanchez he was able to get the maximum amount of international money going into the international, you know, period to buy players, and they did. They got 32 players. So, I mean, that that was a really good job by him, and they got to clear some some salary, like getting rid of Shreve and Warren. And uh, I just it's tough with Judge not and right. I don't I don't like that they didn't get that they didn't get uh, somebody to put there, but. I mean that it is what it is. You got to hope that somebody else can step up. It's Stanton's, Stanton's time to step up. But with Lynn, with them getting Lynn, I didn't get it at first because I wasn't a big Lynn fan. I'm not a fan of those kinds of pitchers that walk a lot of people and, and aren't athletic. But yeah, they just don't look at. It. Yeah, you said it, not me. But <laughs> but uh, I didn't get it at first. But after thinking about it a little bit you know Luis Severino looks like he's kind of wearing down a little bit he might need a little break it'll be good to have a guy who can just come in and be that sixth starter every once in a while and now he might even just be taking Sonny Gray's spot because Sonny Gray needs something he he needs something the only thing he had going for him was that he pitches really well against really bad teams like the Orioles and that didn't that (laughs) did not go over well for him today so I don't know what else there is to look at which which things because he was their big acquisition last year. They gave up Fowler and uh, uh, Mateo and Caprielli. And so it really, I mean, if you think about that trade from last year, it, it hasn't really panned out for either team. No. Mateo has been pretty, you know, pretty mediocre in the minors right now. And Fowler, they've had him up this year, but he's hitting like 219, and he's not able to do anything. They just demoted him, and Caprielli hasn't pitched yet, so. If you, Yankee fans don't get so mad about the Sunny Gray thing because it hasn't really worked out on either side just it's yet. A, it's a good way to look at it, and I, and I know you were critical of the moves or lack thereof that my Indians have made, but I'm I'm telling you, there's another shoe to drop. This team makes their killing on the waiver wire, so a fair, be, it's fair to be critical if they don't add an outfield bat after or by, I should say, August 31st. That's when they're going to need one. Yeah. It might be McCutcheon. Who knows? It could be Jay Bruce again. Yeah. Um, but I, they they can't expect Ramirez. Ramirez and Lindor to a lesser extent, but Ramirez is basically Bobby Boucher and Waterboy, where I feel like Frank Cohen <laughs> says you're going to have to do this all by yourself. Jose Ramirez is an absolute beast. The guy you, you Just looking at him, you would have no clue that he's like yeah, top no five players in baseball. I did hear one thing, and he though. came out of nowhere. He, he came did. out of nowhere last year. Unbelievable! I mean, he had a decent. He had that decent year uh, three years ago. He had, I think, he had eleven homers, like seventy ribbies. But everyone was looking at him like, you know, he's just like that complimentary kind of guy. And he just came out last year and was like, oh yeah, twenty, 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 all the way, hitting bombs, driving runs in, scoring runs. Hey. He was doing everything, and he could play all over the field. Did you all like that? Infield. Did you like that stat before he, Judge got hurt that Lindor and uh, Ramirez had were better in every statistical category, power wise, than Judge and Stanton? Oh, jeez. That was mostly Stanton, though, not picking up his end of the bargain. Not not to be critical of Judge, but 
um, Stanton not having the best year there. I just actually the other funny thing I heard about Ramirez that may or may not be true. I'm trying to get confirmation on is that he deliberately sandbags his uh, English in interviews. He actually can speak it kind of well. He just doesn't want to deal with the media. Which is kind of funny. Oh. <laughs> which is <laughs> kind of really funny. funny. He pretends that he can't speak good English. But be that as it may, we'll see what happens. McCutcheon, Mr. LaPara. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, uh, if they could get McCutcheon or another bat, I think that'd be good. The last thing before we dive into these standings, Joe, here's a move I know you don't like. The Astros trading for Osuna. Not really good. Not in good taste, I would think. Hey, it made another team hateable, though. At least it did something. That, see, I was already amped up before. Let's go. <laughs> I totally blanked my mind about that. This was like the first trade that went down the other day, and I was livid about it all day, and, like, I totally blanked on it. But now that you brought it up, it's, it's an dis- absolute disgrace. It's a disgrace. Osuna, 75 games before the court was even settled. MLB did their own investigation and were like, yo, this guy did some bad stuff. 75 games, the third longest suspension ever since those were implemented. Crazy. And they traded, not only did they trade for him, like his value should have been zero. You should have been able to just throw him on a bus and just drive it anywhere. And whatever team he ends up at, that's where he ends up at. But... Instead, they give up Ken Giles, major league closer, has experience. Sure, he punched himself in the face, but I'd rather have someone that punches himself in the face than commit domestic violence. So there's that part of it. And then they gave up two prospects, one of which was their number three prospect last year before he, not shockingly, was suspended 80 games for PED use. The other one, 10th ranked right now. So they got some, they got some, you're the Blue Jays. You're, you're sitting pretty. You're like, wow, I was able to get this cancer off my team, and I got some usable pieces back. The fact that they got anything is just absurd. And the Astros, for them to say that they don't condone any of that type of behavior, did they forget that before the season started, they had a minor league player oh, yeah. uh, video released where he threw a, a girl down the stairs and beat her up? Uh, I believe that was the Astros. And then you have guys like Justin Verlander, Lance McCullers, Carlos Correa, all coming out talking bad and things like going against domestic violence. And then you trade for someone who is still suspended from domestic violence. And the worst part is he can pitch in the playoffs. He can play in the playoffs. And the, the craziest thing is he's, he's a great pitcher. So if he wasn't a great pitcher, none of this, none of this we'd even be talking about. He would be out of the league. But – because he's a good pitcher and he's only 22, 23 years old. I mean, it's just, it's just, an, it's, it's terrible that that stuff's allowed to happen. Where a guy who's still suspended can be traded or even be able to play in the league. And his court date, he didn't today. He had one. He had a court date was today. He didn't show up to the court date, and now it he has to go back for another one because he didn't go today. So, so yeah, the uh, the baseball the the player that threw his girlfriend down and that was independent ball, but it took I think he was from it was in Texas I want to say was where that happened, but be that as it may, he was you can't be I mean yeah. you can't be this tone deaf to to make a move like this I would think and and you brought up a point he's good he's not that good he hasn't been that good in the last couple of years good enough to where you would warrant really you know putting your reputation on because that's what the Astros have done Joe is. They've stuck their necks out yeah. for this guy. So, for their case, I hope it works out, and I hope he's changed. But, man, that is a uh, a risk to take. And, and why is it a risk that they have to take? That's my question. Why do they need to? Yeah, your team just won the World Series. You have great, you know, a great locker room, great players on, at every position. Your bullpen has actually been pitching really well. Colin McHugh, you put him in there. He's got one of the best relievers, ERA 1.09. And then... Hector Rondon taking over as closer. Sure, he's not your fancy, flashy guy, but he's pretty good. And they got Davinsky in there pitching well. Will Harris, they have a pretty good bullpen. And now you bring a guy in there, and you know that that makes everyone queasy. He's going to be sitting back there, and it's just it's it's going to be awkward because you have guys like Justin Verlander and them who are so against domestic violence as everyone is, but have spoken about it. 
And then to go get someone like that and bring them into that kind of locker room and that kind of an environment just doesn't make any sense why you would take that that big of a chance. Like, there were many other relief pitchers that were available. Like, you could have went out there. Fernando Rodney is having a great a great year closing for the Twins. You could have went out and got him for less than you got Osuna for. The thing is, though, the Astros came out and said that they were trying to get Osuna from the Blue Jays last year, and they didn't. Now, if they had gotten him last year, it would have been a different story because maybe he wouldn't have done what he did. But also, the thing is, if anything else comes out about the case, MLB can suspend him further. So if he goes back to his court date, or if he even shows up at it, or if someone presents evidence of something, or if anything else happens, if he gets, like, you know, if they sentence him to something, he can get suspended even further. So if he's even pitching, if he's even pitching in a month or two, and the, then we'll have a different conversation, but it's unbelievable. who knows? It's unbelievable. It's, just, it's disgraceful. We disgraceful. shall see. We shall see how this develops, but not what you wanted to see on trade deadline day. Joe Crisali, Money Mitch Effect, before I let you go, a couple of interesting uh, divisional races here. The NL is just up for grabs where we see some teams that are jacking for a position with what the Dodgers have done and how the Cubs have done pretty well themselves i don't see a reason why these aren't going to be the same two top teams again come playoff time would you agree with that or do you think somebody else is going to make a move in the nl hmm see i had really i think my voice sounds a little different yeah. now i had some water i was going on that rant calm down a little but i just the nl east really <laughs> atlanta all due respect to them in maybe Washington, if they can limp in and find a way, I, I don't see any of those three teams as a legit playoff threat, not yet anyway. Milwaukee, for reasons we just outlined, I just don't see them as having World Series potential. I Actually, I would maybe throw Arizona in there because I think if they if they start getting back to how they play the first couple months of the season, I think they can they can be a threat. But L.A. Chicago Arizona, Ar- yeah, I mean, Arizona's about to get screwed because Jake Lamb might have that season-ending surgery, so they won't. Who they're going to put at third? Um, Escobar maybe slide him over there. But yeah, that means that yeah. someone else has to get back in the lineup. But um, the Rockies, yeah, I'm not buying that. They just they haven't like been able to totally put it together. They've been hot lately, but we've seen the Rockies. The pitching is never any good. Kyle Freeland, though, surprisingly, is having a really good year for for them. He's I think fourth on best war in and NL as pitchers, so that's pretty good. But they don't really have anyone else throwing there. They tried to solidify their bullpen getting Sing Wano, but who really knows how, how good that's yeah. gonna be. Anybody anybody like going to Denver and pitching, it's a totally different thing. So guess that one will be ways to be seen. But we talked about the Brewers, yeah. I mean, they're just like trying to play fantasy baseball. Just <laughs> oh, we'll have a bunch of util guys and we'll just put them in different positions. But that's not really I don't really think that, that how that's how it works there, but um, I'm not buying the Brewers, Phillies. I'm not really buying anybody in the yeah. East. So whoever comes out of the NL East, there. I'm not buying the National League, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going through. Like I'm not yeah. just I'm not feeling it. But I totally agree with you, Dodgers. I think it'll be Dodgers, Cubs, Cubs. I mean, they're playing well even without Chris Bryant. So when he comes back healthy, they're going to be even more deadly. Javi Baez having the best year of his life. I mean. He's been ridiculous this year. So, Cubs, I think we might we might be seeing the Cubs come out of there again, sadly. But um, hey, looking at the I, uh, looking at the AL, I know you moved to Seattle and you made a bold claim in your in your annual Facebook predictions that are sometimes very accurate, sometimes just straight comedy. But you made a bold claim. <laughs> you were feeling pretty good, saying that you thought Seattle would end the streak now that you moved there, make the playoffs. Question for you in relation to that. You know who has the best record in baseball in the last 40 games? The A's are 30 and 10. <laughs> Dude, Oakland is going to screw your prediction. I just, wow. That team is, I don't, it, who's the, who are their pitchers? Chris, I mean, Davis is amazing, but how, how are they doing this? So, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. They got Sean Monaya, good young pitcher, played really well this year. He's actually been very untalked about, but he's very good this year. And they just had other pieces to put to toss in there. They got Edwin Jackson 
for some reason is their starter. He's been pitching really well. Still around, yeah. That's incredible. I mean, that guy's been that guy's been on every team. You like, you could probably buy a jersey from any random team, and he guarantee you he was on that team. But they've, I mean, they've just been like you said though, Chris Davis, eighty-two RBIs already. Are you kidding me? The guy's been on fire. The team has just been playing really well. It looks like they're having fun. Basically, what they're doing is they're just trying to be like the old days. There was a video of Matt Chapman shotgunning a beer in the dugout before the game the other day. So you know they're partying hard there. They're having a great time. So, you know, I mean, the Mariners, it's so funny. When I, the very beginning of the year, when I told everyone that the Mariners were going to go to the playoffs, they're like, you haven't been here in the last last 17 years. You don't know what it's like. I'm like, yeah, but it's got to happen at some point. And now that I'm here, you got that good juju, so you're good. And they were playing well, playing well, and they started, you know, they started falling off. Right great now. at home, great at home, just they're having tied. trouble on the road. And they're still playing well, Joe. It's just Oakland's on fire. And the way the AL is an arms race, they're gonna, it's going to be tough. They're only five out of Houston, but still tied now with Oakland. It's improbable that Oakland, 34 and 36, they're now 18 games above 500. It's just amazing. Yeah, we we would not be talking about Oakland. Like, I I wasn't necessarily thinking this year would be a, a year to be, you know, thinking about Oakland being in the playoffs. I mean, they were talked about as being sellers come trade deadline time until even like weeks before. It was like, hey, Bob Melvin, are you thinking, what are you guys thinking about trading? Are you going to try to get pieces or trading away pieces? And they're like, oh, we're, we're trying to build something here. And you're just kind of thinking like, with what? But they've, they're just, they're just a team of dudes, you know, they're just, they just play, and that's how that's and that's working for them. Mariners, though, here, I mean, they went out, they got some pieces. Zach Duke, only pitcher in the major leagues to not give up a home run. You can only imagine how his first Mariners appearance went. Gave up a home run, lost the game for him. I mean, they were already down last night, but you know, the Mariners, they just you know they haven't had the whole team together. Seager's been off on tourney leave, having another kid, and they got you know. Hanniger hasn't been playing as well as he was in the first half. D. Gordon shifted from center to second, and that might be messing with him a bit. You never know. But, I mean, they're getting Cano back next week, so that can really maybe only help them. They haven't been hitting, so mm-hmm. they might need that back. We'll see. We'll see what happens, Joe Crisali. Hey, good luck this weekend, though, with the Yankees-Red Sox, the, the final stand for the Yankees. If they have any chance of competing in the division, they probably – a split that may be still alive, but if they lose three or four, God forbid they get swept. Uh, could be time to crown the Red Sox and try to figure out who the real MVP of the AL is on their team. <laughs> yeah, seriously. They, they got Mookie Betts. It's just unbelievable. I, I, he got is, the but Martinez, to me, is even crazier. Because, A, he's yeah, 30, and, can... and his average for being a power beast that he's been, his average isn't too far off the league lead in Betts. But, yeah, both those guys are just I- insane. The fact that Martinez was out there and no one really cared and the Reds, everyone knew he was going to go to the Red Sox and they still had trouble negotiating a contract for him, I mean, come on. The dude is a monster. But Mookie Betts, he's got the best name in baseball, so it's hard to do against him. But, I mean, it's the Red Sox, man, they're just, they're, just so, they're just too good right now. It's like they can't be stopped. But the Yankees, you know, they're, they're struggling. They're trying to struggle along. I mean, as long as they get in, right? And if you have to face a red-hot team like the A's, who knows how that turns out. But if it's the Mariners, it could be the same deal. I mean, the Yankees, are they look like they're limping right now. But they shouldn't be. They have Stanton. You know, they have a really good lineup, except for, like, the bottom half. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, Shane Robinson playing right field. Yeah. You got Shane Robinson in right field. Like, you really, they couldn't just get, like, you know, an acceptable outfielder to put out there for a uh, month. So funny. So or bring funny. somebody up. We'll see. It's a big weekend for baseball. Still a couple months left, but the clock is officially ticking. We're we're building towards the playoffs and the eventual World Series. Joe Crisali, this was fun. Good luck with everything, and thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Anytime. All right, huge thanks to Joe Crisali. Remember, only a couple months of baseball season left and only a couple months for his Mariners pick to pan out. 
Based on what the Yankees did last night, though, I, I can't see them even having a chance of catching the Red Sox. Their starting pitching is going to look just dreadful, not getting through the fourth inning in back-to-back games. And Sonny Gray going to the bullpen. We, we thought that that might happen when we recorded that conversation a couple days ago, but it's happening. Lance Lynn goes from Sonny Gray insurance to a full-blown fifth starter, so we'll see what happens there. Now it's time to switch sports, get into the octagon. UFC 227 is up. friend of mine, co-worker of mine, going to break this down. Jennifer Hanna is a diehard UFC fan. We talked about the UFC on Fox pay-per-view that took place last weekend. Not even a pay-per-view. I don't know why I keep calling it that. But the UFC on Fox event that was on cable and took place last week with Eddie Alvarez taking on Poirier. An interesting fight there. We saw Drew Jacek back in action as well. Jeremy Stevens and Jose Aldo putting on a slugfest that didn't even last one round. And then we get into UFC 227. Garber Dillashaw, Mighty Mouse, is back in the ring at the flyweight division. Is there a super fight looming? We talk about that. A little Khabib and Connor Cormier, Brock Lesnar, TFC talk with Jennifer Hanna here on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, true groundbreaking experience here on the on the Money Mitch Effect to talk UFC special guest, big UFC fan Jennifer Hanna. First Hannah. name only. First oh, name only. Sorry, <laughs> first I'm just name. We've already we've already uh, given away your identity, but Jennifer, thanks for joining the show. Sure, I'm glad to be here, though I don't know what I'm doing. You don't. Okay. Well, let's just we'll we'll preface it with this: we work together. You are a diehard UFC fan. When did that happen? When did was it just from the beginning? I mean, the promotion's been around a while, but it's really ramped up in the last couple of years. I think like 2014, 2015 is when I started to really follow it from event to event. It was definitely Ronda Rousey. I know that people are going to be like, whatever. Um, but she was a big story when it happened, when she started doing her thing. So... I was curious, started watching, and then just started to really like it. But prior to that, I did see, I had, had a friend had like videotapes or something of like like UFC 1. Like when there was no rules, no weight classes. There's yes. like one rule. Yes. Uh, and we watched that, we watched stuff like that for, I don't know, a few months. So I don't, I don't even know what year that was. It was when I was out of high school. Uh, but Ken Shamrock was my favorite. Oh, okay. And Ken, Tank Abbott. I like Ken Shamrock in the wrestling, day, yeah, <laughs> in the wrestling days. But no, the Gracies. I think one of the Gracies won that first UFC by just I by so. just doing jujitsu. It's funny how far it's gone. And we're gonna get into women fighting too. But I think you mentioned to me before that you never really liked women fighting. But now you're that might be some of your favorite weight classes. I'm not sure that I actually said that, but you say yeah, okay, I did. All right. Um, because Ronda was how I started to really watch, start watching it. Mm. So I, last I checked, she was a lady. Yeah. Okay. That's it's fair. That's fair. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I don't, I think she always has been uh, a lady, but having, <laughs> <laughs> having said that we're in the midst of a big UFC stretch and, uh, you're actually, it's kind of rare too. You're coming off of a successful prediction and Cormier winning. It so that's is good. rare. So that's very good. But and JJ, don't forget. JJ went. We'll, we'll, we'll talk that too because UFC on Fox happened last weekend. Alvarez and Poirier was the main event. We're a couple of days away from UFC 227 here in LA. Garver and Dillashaw too. But getting back, Jennifer, to that last pay-per-view, UFC on Fox. Not even a pay-per-view. It was just on Fox. There were some good fights. And I would argue it was one of the best cards of the year. You might not have thought that going into it. But top to bottom, this was a pretty good Pretty good card. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I think that the the fight night or not the fight night. What am I thinking of? Yeah. The 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 ones only on Fight Pass. Yeah, those were amazing fights. They were. They're. Anytime you get a good undercard, you start to think, "Wow, this card could really have something." And there was name value at the top of this card. I think maybe what pushed people away or. or had expectations lower there were a lot of them were coming off of losses and a lot of them were maybe a lot of the fighters men and women were maybe not thought to be at their best having either pushed their peak or are you talking about jj again talk about aldo too i mean aldo had lost had come into this fight with a couple you know a couple losses stevens loses all the time but he's still dangerous and yeah and even 
Poirier Alvarez. I mean, Alvarez had come off a kind of a rough stretch. That the first fight that they had was controversial. This one was a little controversial too. But no, this fight delivered, and this card delivered, and the main three matches are what a lot of people are talking about. Drew Jacek, which I'm pretty happy because I had no idea how to pronounce her name the first couple times that she came That's why up. you just say JJ. That's why I say JJ. I used to say Joanna Champion, but that doesn't That's true. hold she true. She still says that in her head. Yeah, she does. Now, it was a great fight for her. It was top to bottom what she sought out to do, and for the first time in a while, she backed up her words. It was uh, a good rebound fight after a couple losses to Thug Rose I wonder if Rose is watching. What did you think about this fight, though? Did you think it was... Vintage JJ stuff to work on. Is this the competition not quite as high as she had been fighting before? I think she still fought a little hesitant. Um, I think she clearly her grappling and her takedown defense was on display, which is what we all knew she had. So that was nice to see again. But I thought she should have been able to do more striking wise against TT. That's interesting because. She she definitely dominated the numbers, but yeah, I there were opportunities there. I wonder if she thought, okay, I could win pretty handily with my eighty percent. You game. mean like she went uh, dominant cruise and said, <laughs> "Let's go for the decision here." Clearly, I'm winning. <laughs> there were chances where she could have finished her, but also like, why open yourself up? Yeah, I guess that's dominant cruise style in a lot of his fights. But I I don't know that strawweight division and Torres who she lost to now just all great fighters I think all of her losses are just the the well best she of the best. I thought she beat Rose yeah I think that's right but I also don't I mean what she have like three losses yeah three losses in her career and they were now two she lost to Rose no she did lose to Rose it was a oh UFC, it was yeah. a was a split decision it was tight I think that I think. was yeah but her losses to her uh, Andrade and. Rose and JJ, so she's not losing the scrubs or no, tomato cans. No, it's she's she's definitely rising up and and you know showing that she can fight the the big people. What'd you think about Stevens and Aldo? Because that fight to me had everything you want in one round of action. They I wasn't super excited about that match. I mean, I knew Stevens was probably, or I thought at least Stevens was going to take that. I think most people did. He was the favorite, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I was shocked when Aldo did what he did because I honestly thought he was, you know, pretty much close to retirement. Yeah, coming into it with a fight losing streak, very rare for Aldo, the king of Rio. Um, Stevens, I didn't realize how many fights he had. That guy just fights everybody anywhere, Hasn't anytime. He like four times this year already. <laughs> I mean, that was the best body punch maybe I've seen in an octagon. It's up there. I have to go back and look, but just that terrible pain uh, look on Stevens's face, although finishing. I had a feeling in the first minute. I felt like most fans realized this was probably going to end quick because they did? were just they were just throwing. But with Stevens. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, it did look like Stevens was going to win, but Aldo got his shots in, too. It just it didn't have right. the look of a, of a drag-about three-round classic. Since, since my UFC um, fandom started late, the only real fight I have in my memory banks is Connor knocking out Very Aldo. Very quickly, yeah. It, yeah. like for Wasn't it like three seconds? It or how he says in the promo tree? Yeah, it wasn't. It was. Uh, it was longer than three seconds, but it was very quickly. And I think maybe it was it's his first. Maybe it was thirteen. Yeah, something I, like I that. I want to say had a three. It wasn't three. You know, three. Three is like running right into a fight and knock. It, it wasn't that quick. It wasn't like they ding, can't knock even out. make contact within yeah. three seconds. It's very rare. I but although has done a lot, and we talked about this with the featherweight division where it's at with Max de- Holloway dealing with a lot of issues, and it could be a while before he fights again. Aldo's, I think, back in the game. Ortega, Aldo, I wouldn't be opposed to it. We talked about this, too. I think T-City is only going to take that fight if it's for a belt. It's a great nickname, too, T-City. You're right. Is and it? I, I didn't even know what it was I think that, for a long time. I think that what happened with the, with the welterweight division, with Covington and Woodley and Till, that just shows you that Interim championships are worthless and can actually harm could actually harm you. It's Covington, right? He went to get nasal surgery or something like that, and they said, "All right, we're stripping you of the interim title immediately." Like Woodley hasn't fought in a year. They're going to make the Woodley Till fight undisputed title, and Covington just lost 
this interim belt with one with, with a delay that would have only pushed it back like six weeks. It's kind of brutal. So if you're Ortega, why would you want to fight for an interim title when that could just happen to you? That's true. That's true. I mean, but is anyone really upset about Covington? I mean, he didn't make any friends. <laughs> no, I, he's a great fighter, though. I want the Woodley-Covington fight for a lot of reasons, one being the bad blood, but two, it's a good matchup. Covington's stamina, his gas tank might be the arguably the best in the entire UFC, and Woodley's an unbelievable wrestler, maybe the best take, takedown defense in the UFC. It's a great fight stylistically. It's a beautiful fight. Yeah, it is. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just not sold on him. You say you're convinced that he's up there, but what he fought like two or three yeah, times and he yeah. called out the champ or something? I wouldn't say best fighter. I'd say he's got some skills that are high-end. Okay. I, More than Till? I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that either. He's going to probably fight the winner. I mean, I think that's what we're gearing if towards. If his nasal surgery goes well. <laughs> if it goes well. All right. Jennifer Anna Money, Mitch Effect. The last fight on that UFC on Fox pay-per-view, the headliner, Poirier Alvarez. Another good fight. Two rounds. TKO finish for Poirier. After their first fight ended in that controversial fashion, we thought we'd just get an... I shouldn't say their first fight, their second fight, because Alvarez beat him a few years ago. And Poirier was trying to avenge that loss. Yeah, it was a... How come they didn't say it it, was a three? It was a fight in uh, Jerry World, right? If I want to... If I want to... Jerry World. No, he didn't fight him before. That's right. It was the second fight. He was trying to avenge... uh, the, la- the last loss that he had was to Michael Johnson, which was in Texas. And oh, okay. so it was only the second fight. But You know what's the, interesting? Yeah. Sorry to cut Go you ahead, off. No. Um, Alvarez won't even talk about that controversy. Like, he, does, he acts like he didn't throw that illegal knee. It's just, it's like, come on. We've all seen the tape. You threw the illegal <laughs> knee. He says when you're in the in the heat of the battle, you just do what you do. That was a great segue because and great foreshadowing because he threw a twelve six elbow, which just the just to play historian here, twelve six elbow is the only reason John Jones is, has a loss on his UFC Uh-oh. record. Here we go with the Jones hate. No, it's not a hate. I actually am a fan of Jones. I think he's crazy. I think he's. Self sabotaging his very true, probably the great. He's the greatest UFC kind fighter, kind of like Connor, I, yeah. Or Connor's following in those Jones is the bit. greatest UFC fighter I've ever seen, but it won't go, he won't probably go down as such because of all the self sabotage he's done. But the point being, before John Jones was UFC light heavyweight champ, the first time I forget who he was fighting, he uh he threw a 12 6 elbow, a couple of them. I didn't even know that that was a thing. Yeah, took or a that DQ it was loss. Ended up avenging it. Was beating the guy mercilessly the first time. Beat him what again. is so, the danger of that move? It, it could potentially kill someone. It could. <laughs> yeah, if you swing down with an elbow, it's a very vicious tactic. And there's a lot of there's a lot of gray area with that. Hmm. I don't think I think it was a heat of the moment. Alvarez was just trying to to gain position. He was in control. Oh, no, that clearly. cost him the fight. Though. I think so. I think so. He was definitely in dominant position, and Poirier was like he didn't know what to do. The warning wasn't the warning for a twelve six elbow wasn't what, what screwed him. It was you lose position. position. Yeah. And then Poirier just a great great job finishing him. Alvarez though is a warrior. He was still throwing when he could barely stand up. And no, I just watched the rewatched the uh, Gaethje fight because uh, both of those guys fought Gaethje recently. And all of those fights were so brutal. Like, you just knew that this one was either going to end similarly or something weird was going to happen. And something weird happened. Gaethje Pettis Alvarez, his last three wins. We'll see what happens with this Khabib Connor his super last, fight. His last final contract, too. He, he's going to re up, and he's going to be a major player in the title picture, I think. You don't think there's any talk or any. Um, Wait to the rumors that he might be going to another. Dana can't. Dana White can't let this guy go, especially because you don't know what you're going to get from Connor on a year-to-year basis. <laughs> so true. you need to build up your division. And uh, we saw, we saw with uh, the light heavyweight division, it looks loaded one year. A couple guys get hurt, retire, some drug tests fail. Mm. Cover can go bare pretty quick. I don't think you can let this guy go. All right, let's talk about UFC 227. Okay. <laughs> I'm super excited. I, you get to see one of either Dillashaw or Garbrandt lose. Well, I'm hoping it's Garbrandt. Yeah, it, it's. Is it? Do you like Dillashaw, or is it a lesser of two evils it's situation? It's a lesser of two evils. Dillashaw is, by all accounts, a, a. I mean, obviously these guys are great fighters, but kind of a shrewd businessman. 
and the whole team alpha male Dillashaw beef is, is pretty played out. I don't I like hearing agree. about it as much, but Dillashaw did kind of did kind of do, do do team alpha male a little dirty. What I mean by that is, depending on who you believe, he decided that he was going to start having one foot in, one foot out. He was going to work with somebody outside of alpha male while he was still under contract by. Alpha male. So my and thing Kyle, is, clean break is best for everyone. And Dale Shaw didn't really do that. So I see the beef. I'm not defending a lot of Garbrandt's ridiculousness, but I see why they are upset with the breakup that took forever. It seemed the contract stuff. I get like if the if that's true, then that's definitely on Dale Shaw. But what fighter doesn't go to other training camps and go to other gyms and try other things? I can't blame him for that. Um, so that this beef, um, you know, it is what it is. But the contract stuff, that's the only thing I give Team Alpha. Otherwise, I dislike them. <laughs> and the interviews have been just <laughs> brutal to get through with oh, Garbrandt talking. Yeah, because he doesn't, thinking's not his forte or speaking. Why? I don't like excuses either, and I just wasn't a fan of saying retroactively that he wasn't feeling good going into the fight. You lost. You know, and then he, it, it, the excuses change. One minute it's, I wasn't at my best, I was on the couch, and then I had to train for it. The other is, oh, he got saved by the bell. Well, which Some is of that it? I haven't even heard. Yeah, he, he says he got saved by the bell, which it's the UFC. I mean, I, I give Dillashaw credit for getting up because he took a shot and that knockout probably 90% of the fighters in the Bantamweight division. I still think Garbrandt's the hardest hitter in the Bantamweight division, but Dillashaw is a more complete fighter. It is another beautiful fight, though, because Garbrandt can knock him out. He can. But Dillashaw can, can neutralize a lot of what he does. How do you see this one going, though? Do you think Garbrandt gets the title back and we're looking at a trilogy, or does Dillashaw make quick work again? I mean, I hope that it doesn't go to a trilogy. Um... But yeah, like you said, you can tell the excitement in my voice. I'm not really. <laughs> you don't like, big like the on fight this. is gonna be good though. It, w- I agree, but I don't know. I just don't really have a. I'm not really a big fan of either of those fighters. First time either, I believe. I don't know if Dillashaw's main evented before. He's definitely the first time main eventing as a champion. Garbrandt, his first main event, the flyweight fight underneath it, DJ Mighty Mouse taking on Henry Kiyudo, who is an Olympic gold medalist. I should point out, and also somebody that DJ finished in the first round. But as they all, as they're talking about in all the, this ramp up, it was, he was a year into the UFC when they fought. And then now he's got three more years, more seasoned, learned some new stuff. Um, I think that it still is going to be Mighty Mouse, but I think it'll be maybe a decision, maybe fourth round. So 13 straight wins for Mighty Mouse and it's coming off of he loses to Dominic Cruz in 2011 in a, in a fight that wasn't really his weight class. I mean, he, he's fighting. He's reaching up there. He draws Ian McCall. Wait, the he went up? I think that's what happened. Mm. Yeah, it was for a Bantamweight. He fought for the Bantamweight title. Oh, wow. Even Cruz has been like it wasn't. You know, it, it was a little unfair to him there. Draws McCall, beats him the next time, and then, you know, runs off 13 straight. I'm a little late to the, to the Demetrius Johnson appreciation party, I'll admit. I feel like in sports, when we see someone just run through everybody, we think, oh, it's a terrible division. We're just, we're underselling greatness. Oh, but that last fight. He's one of the greatest of all time. He threw his opponent into that submission. He's a top five UFC fighter ever. You can make a case top three or even one or two. It's just, it's incredible what he's been able to do. And I know we're building up Zahuda's like being more seasoned, but I don't know, until he loses... What can you think? Does he want to fight Dillashaw next, though? I mean, the thing about DJ that's crazy to me is he's only 31 years old. 31. I mean, Why that's... is this even a thing? <laughs> I mean, is it, everyone just want to be double champ? Is that, the, is that the trend? Part of it's management, Dana White, seeing that super fights make business. Mismanagement. Super fights make money. I mean, okay, realistically speaking, I know as a purist fan, which I think you'd consider yourself. Maybe. What would what would you rather watch? DJ fight another flyweight contender and just that he's probably going to run through, or I see your point. DJ versus TJ. I mean, I don't think it's. I, I honestly don't think it's going to happen right away based on what everybody's saying. Because I do think DJ would drive the boat. It would make TJ come down. 
Oh, really? That's what I think would happen. And I think Garpin has said he would come down to fight him, too. I think oh, it's yeah. different. He's When he fought Cruz, he wasn't the DJ he is now. Now they're coming to him. He's not going to anybody else. That's true. I read today that Garbrandt's claiming that the idea of fighting Mighty Mouse was his originally, and TJ stole that. It's I unbelievable. Mean, Garbrandt doesn't, he <laughs> can't even, like, nothing's original. Uh, it just is. When he beat Cruz, any other fighter finishes him, right? Like, he was dancing around when he, like, dropped him, like, three or four times. I think so. Cruz is another one, too. I think he's going to get his rematch with if Dillashaw beats Garbrandt again, Cruz has an interesting choice. Does he want to avenge Garbrandt or does he want to go right to Dillashaw? Because I think Dana White would hook him up. He is a great broadcaster, too, so he doesn't need to rush back into this, but he's going to be back in the game very soon. I like Dominic Cruz, but I like him better as a broadcaster. I think he should just do that. He's very good at it. But I'm sure he wants to fight at least one more time. Dillashaw is a decent favorite, I should point out. Demetrius Johnson is a Oh, mega the line favorite. for that fight that Minus hasn't even been announced is already out. Oh, no, I'm saying, no, no. Dillashaw is a decent favorite, I should say, over Garbrandt in this fight. Oh, okay. DJ is huge, like minus 450 big. Uh, but Jennifer Anna, before we wrap this up, Thanks other for fights. That's twice. <laughs> Got to. Sorry. Oh, we can maybe bleep that out, but probably not. That's okay. Some other good fights on this card that you're looking forward to. I know you're. Uh, would you say you're a Cub Swanson fan? I love Cub Swanson. Okay. I knew the answer to that. Yeah, but I think this could be one of his last fights. I think that T City fight that he um, lost in. I think that was kind of like a turning point for him. Um, it should have been a fight that he. That would have given him a title shot, and I think now he's just further away from it. I think he just wants to end on a on a win. I mean, yeah. who's this guy he's fighting? Musiano is six years younger than him, and only has fifteen fights or yeah, fourteen fights to his name. Twelve one and one. He lost to Ortega in getting choked out. Basically, that I mean, was he was undefeated. Get yeah. out by Ortega. That was. Went three rounds. I mean, he put up a fight, uh, but that was, you know, and, and he got that split decision win. That was the one I was forgetting over Stevens. Oh. It took him to a decision. So he can last, and he can take a punch, obviously, but I like Cub Swanson in, in that one. Um, other interesting fights I should point out is the uh, the other one that stands out is the middleweight fight, third on the third last on the card, Santos versus Holland. Oh, yeah. That one should be very violent. Um, yeah, I can't remember who Santos fought last, but I remember it was pretty crazy and brutal. He lost to David Branch. He got knocked out, and his skull almost <laughs> came apart. That was the fight that he fought last. He fought Branch in April. Uh, but he's, but he, yeah. Okay, like, it was the fight before that. You're Anthony right. Smith, when he won, he's got, so his last five fights. It was Anthony have, Smith. He won four TKO and got knocked out his last fight. So every Last five fights have ended, have been ended one way or the other. Um, but I think that'll be a good one for sure. Yeah. There's some good fights. Are you gearing up for Connor and uh, Khabib? I mean, I guess so. I guess um, so? I mean, of course. Are you gearing up for the fights in the media room during their press conference <laughs> if Connor <laughs> touches his shoulder? Happen. Yeah, you just don't touch Khabib's shoulder. Could it look illicit violence? I mean, or is Khabib drawing the line? It has to be a touch. I mean, I think there's it's going to be crazy. Possibly another hand cart incident. I think Khabib's going to open up the favorite, the betting favorite. Oh, I, I, absolutely. I, I won't say absolutely just because sometimes you sometimes people are going to bet McGregor just to bet McGregor, or the betting public might just know name value. True. I think he should be the favorite, and if you could get Khabib as an underdog, that's crazy, especially since Conor hasn't fought in a while. But I, yeah, I you know, Connor's an interesting cat for a lot of reasons. One being, he wants to go with Khabib first. If he wins that, I mean, he's right back in the driver's seat. Then it's like, do you trilogy Diaz? Do you do that even if you lose? Isn't Diaz like in court? I mean, yeah, Diaz is getting can into he the even f- fight. Diaz gets into fights like every other day, it seems. So I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, but I don't know either. I'm not interested in a trilogy personally. W- what are you more interested in? Well, I mean, Connor and Diaz or Brock Lesnar and Cormier? <laughs> oh my gosh, why do you have to bring that up? <laughs> Get ready for wrestling uh, uh, meets UFC. See, that's I think that's kind of why I don't like Garbrandt a little bit, is because I feel like he's trying to be 
WWE. Right, style. but you have to sell some pay per views too. Like I you can't understand. have boring fighters, and and <laughs> you're like a middle of the road person because if they're too boring, you say they're too boring. You're right. It's but if hot they're gold. yeah, it's it's a fine line, and sometimes people straggle a little too much. Obviously, we know where McGregor and Lesnar are. Cormier probably will not fight until Lesnar. I like how Cormier right now is like taking every fight. Like he's just like people are calling him out. And he's like, okay, sure. He's got like, two he fights knows left. He's not gonna fight. He's retiring. I mean, who in November just of called next him year. Out? Who was that that called him out the last fight night? Yeah, I, I remember who that was. I can't remember it, who it was. Not worth his time though. No, but Cormier still responded and was like, okay. I would say that the best. I mean, he he's retiring at forty. He said that for the last five years. So he's got Lester and probably Jones again. That's it. Do you think he's going to actually do two fights? Yeah, because Jones will be the other one. If he beats Brock, Hmm. he defends heavyweight title. Then he fights Jones. And he he can dictate the terms now. What weight class it's going to be at. I think he has a much better chance of beating him at heavyweight than he would at light heavyweight. I'm still so shocked about that Stipe knockout. Stipe deserves a rematch, but unfortunately the way it. it goes. Yeah, and Dana White, there's some bad blood there. Oh, that's with Dana true. and Stipe and uh, Francis. I mean, we need to get him a sports psychologist because he's turned into just a total disaster. Surprisingly. That was the worst fight I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, him and Buggies. I'm not even just talking UFC. I'm talking just like in my life, like schoolyard fights, fights are better than that. Yeah. yeah, movie fights, all the same. It was kind of, it was reminiscent of the Isner-Anderson tennis match because it was like neither one of them wanted to win. That'd be great if the referee, if the umpire in the Isner Anderson match stopped. It was like, guys, I need you to actually play tennis. I, yeah. Like the UFC fight. Did. That's true. We need to mix it up here. Stay right. busy. Jennifer, this was fun. <laughs> yeah. It was. It cheered me up on a, on a uh, as an Ohio State fan. It's been a rough time for me. So. Yeah, I saw something <laughs> in the headlines, but it's, I don't know enough about it to know what it means. It's not good. It's it not good. Um, but be that as it may, right. I'm looking forward to UFC 227. We'll see what happens yeah. in L.A. And we sure will. we'll see if uh, Garber and Dillashaw. Hopefully this is the last fight. Last <laughs> fight. Last fight. All right, Jennifer H., thanks for joining Thank the show. You. Thank you. That's it for today's show. Big thanks to both guests, Joe Crisali and Jennifer Hanna. Hope everybody out there has enjoyed this show and every show in the series, which can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect, and it pops right up. I'm on Twitter, Money Mitch M21, and the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page is also live and active. Make sure you check that out. we got a big weekend of sports coming up. Football started last night as well, the Hall of Fame game. It's good to see that the gridiron's going, college football at the end of the month. And if you're into the CFL, that's going on too. Uh, I am Mitch Michaels as well as the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, keep enjoying sports. We'll see you next week. Have a good weekend.